Hey everybody, it's Matt. The inspiring stories of business success, economic development, and transformational projects that we bring you on Growing Greater are made possible thanks to the active support that we receive from the team at PNC. The professionals of PNC offer a wide range of banking, investment, and financial services for individuals and small businesses, middle market companies, and multinational corporations and government entities too. PNC provides the knowledge, guidance, and resources for financial success. Learn more about all that PNC has to offer by visiting pnc.com and join me in thanking the team at PNC for their support of our Growing Greater podcast. This is Growing Greater, Growing Greater. bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. When attending a music festival like Made in America, which takes place on Philadelphia's famed Benjamin Franklin Parkway, it's hard to imagine just how this incredibly complex, high energy, and larger than life event is actually created. With hundreds of thousands of screaming fans gathering for an event of a lifetime, the task of successfully and safely producing these kinds of massive productions, it requires a special set of skills. Skills that are developed over a lifetime of practical hands-on experience. And this week on Growing Greater, we meet the man behind some of the biggest live events that have taken place in Philadelphia and around the country and the world. Scott Merkin. He serves as president and executive producer of ESM Productions, a rock nation company. Scott and his team at ESM Productions, they produce some of the most high-profile, large-scale events with global leaders and rock star legends, and with audiences in the millions. From programs that have featured President Barack Obama, Pope Francis, and the Dalai Lama, to music industry giants like Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, and Lizzo, Scott is the creative production expert behind hundreds of world-class events with skills that have been refined and enhanced over a nearly 30-year professional career Scott's expertise and passion for bringing events to life, it's really in his genes. They go back to his time as a child, when he would join his dad in the office. Scott shares with us insights into his remarkable journey, and here he describes ESM Productions. So you've asked the hardest question, which is great. ESM Productions is a live event and media production design and execution firm. That would be the quick response answer that I would give to folks. And then folks go, what does that mean, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And ESM, is there a special meaning behind those initials for the name of the company? So it was originally, we evolved away from it actually very, very quickly. But when I incorporated the company originally in 1996, we did two things. We got a book that said how to incorporate for $100 without hiring a lawyer. And we did that, and it was all a bunch of, like, cut out papers and file things and sent them to Harrisburg. And yep. 
we registered the entity as Events by Scott Merkin Incorporated, and that's what the ESM stands for. And uh, very quickly, we took that and really turned it into a, a trading name or a DBA, if you will, for ESM. Yeah. Because even you know, after just a few short years, and especially now, ESM Productions is a heck of a lot more than just Scott Merkin. Yeah, so sure. Kind of how yeah. we needed to do that, and a heck of a lot more than just events. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a big part of it, but yeah. there's so much more that goes yeah. on and around it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that time frame of 1996. Take us back to – actually, let's go a little further back. Tell us a little bit about Scott Merkin. Where did you grow up? And you know, tell us a little bit about your family kind of situation with mom and dad. And do you have siblings? Yeah. So grew up in a great row home neighborhood on Everett Avenue in the Oxford Circle section. We probably had 20, 30 kids all our age from all backgrounds, public school, Catholic school, everything. And we were all really close, and some of us still are, Yeah, 40-plus years later. So great neighborhood. I went to public school and got what I think is a great Philadelphia public education. And like many folks in the creative field, how do I put this lightly? I might not have been the most easy-to-deal-with, quiet, and restful child. growing up so I was a handful always curious wanted to learn and do things but not necessarily the way that the teachers wanted me to learn and do things so I got really what turned out to be probably some of the best lessons in my life that prepared me for everything I do today it was operation keep my mom sane Mm -hmm. was for my dad who was a retired broadcast engineer take me to work with him when he could if it was on a weekend or yeah the night shift just uh, something that will give my mom a chance to have a few minutes without me, yeah, which, I, gotcha. which I can certainly respect. Decompress a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And Honey, you're taking Scott into the office yeah, today. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think that was the intent. I think that in addition to giving mom a chance to decompress and get some quiet, I was exposed to all of these amazing things about live television and live radio. And yeah. I got to see this on the air, this live on the air. And as a very young child at seven, eight, nine years old, I really drank it all in, and my dad is a wonderful teacher by yep. just by nature. Yeah. And so there was always a lesson, even if there was a toy involved or something that a young child would understand. There was always a lesson. So by the time I was twelve or thirteen years old, I knew all about mixers and audio and cameras yeah. and yeah. and lighting and how teleprompters work. I mean, all of these things. By the time I was literally by the time I was ten, eleven, yeah. twelve years old. That's pretty cool. And that gave me a tremendous ten, fifteen year jump. Right. On experience for anyone of my contemporaries in this industry. Yeah. At the very least, just to think about this stuff, because you were exposed to it at such an early age. So the skill set that you appreciated, and whether you knew it or not, you were absorbing when you were seven, eight, nine, ten years old, by your dad's side, in a KYW studio at Fifth and Market Streets. Combine that with your customer service, you know, kind of people skills that you were developing working in the restaurant industry and now you were marrying that with you know a true hey i'm working in the production space at an audiovisual company not only are you interfacing with customers who you know sometimes it could be challenging you got to come up with solutions to whatever problems developing but you're working in that production space and where i'm going with this scott is i'd love to fast forward now you're doing this for a couple years Take us to the kitchen table conversation you had when, I don't know, you're 24, 25, and you're thinking, I want to create something more. And to the point you made earlier about 
events by Scott Merkin, ESM Productions. How did you go from being the kid who was pushing carts around to hotels in Center City and back in the van into a loading dock that no one knew was there to wanting to create something more than just being the AV kid? So what I realized while I was kind of finding that sweet spot of dealing with the clients and providing service, right? And, you know, the friendly you are with the customer service, the more opportunity you have to upsell, which is the way that everyone participates in more growth, right? Yeah, The tip's bigger, everybody buying the pie's more profitable, whatever it is. I had some tremendous opportunities while working for another company. I realized like, well, I'm actually part, it goes back to the seven, eight-year-old kid. I'm now part of something live, right? And that was so exciting for me. I just wanted, and still, I'm still driven by the same exact thing. I just want to do these events, and I'm really confident and convinced because at the age of 49 years old right now, I can basically say I have 42 years of experience. Yeah, right. So, that's true. So I, I'll never run around saying I know everything, right? but I might have seen almost everything. And so from an early age, I was always very confident in these really soft footsteps or touch points that make an event just seamlessly seem really elegant and it went well yeah and it looks like no one tried really hard right, right? i learned that very early on and yeah i was fortunate that that's what i become known for in philly which was a smaller footprint right we sure the big convention industries that we have right we didn't have yeah. tourism and hospitality comedy right. yet yeah but so there's a smaller audience that that became a much larger influencer audience yeah right? yeah that whether it be with mayor rendell at the time mm-hmm. and chief of staff david cohen and the president of the chamber at the time, Charlie Peasy, sure. and G. Fred DeBona, you know, who was no longer with us, who was obviously a former chamber president and sure. chair at the time, yep. IBC. I mean, all of these wonderful folks that are still very much involved in our region today, where they all had a bigger megaphone because the room was smaller. We were able to early on, I was able to early on, prior to ESM hanging the shingle, it was you know, when Scott's around, these events go well. Yeah. That was it. And that was the moment where I saw an opportunity and I wanted to create events that were not hardware-based or based on what the company I was working for had on the shelf to rent. Right. Because that's a different, motivates things differently, right? Yeah. And there were also some things, technology, that I'd asked this is the company that was a little bit, they were mature. They had sun, they were about to sunset. Yeah. So they, they didn't see the need to invest in certain things. Well, we had a brand new convention center coming online in 19, this was 19, I think about 1992, 1993. Yeah, yeah. Brand new convention center coming online. All these things. And I made some projections and predictions about things I thought would be a good growth strategy. And I was only 25 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, right. right. And right. I had no real business training, but I just had this idea and i don't blame them because they didn't need to take the risk they had no real appetite for that risk and i say to folks all the time you know yes i'm an entrepreneur obviously but but i'm an entrepreneur sometimes i'll say by default and what i mean by that is i'm an entrepreneur because in order for me to produce the content and the events Mm -hmm. things that i want to produce and feel a certain calling almost Mm -hmm. I have to be the person in the driver's seat. Yeah. That's the only, it's right. not to build right. the tallest skyscraper or to have big things that have my name or anything like that. It's really, I've been driven by the work and yep. that's what drives me still today. Every yeah. Day. yeah. Let me take that a step further, but look through a slightly different lens. Not only do you want to be in the driver's seat, 
other people want you in the driver's seat. And it comes back to a comment you made a moment ago where those around you made an observation that when Scott's around, these programs run a lot smoother. And I suspect that kind of compliment, that kind of uh, confidence builder was also a catalyst for you to say, you know what? I can do this on my own. I'm going to start my own gig. And where I'm going with this, Scott, is I'd love for you to take us to, okay, you fill out the paperwork, you send it out to Harrisburg, you incorporate this company back in 1996 as a 25-year-old embarking on your 26th birthday coming up, I suspect, right? And who was your first client? Do you remember who your first client was? And are they with us today? So we had two first clients in a way. One was, and it was a two-way relationship, but the first business transaction that the company made was we joined the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. And it was because one of the platforms that I had as an individual at this other company, by no uncertain terms, I was given the opportunity as an independent to be a part of the production of the Chamber's couple of signature events, Mm -hmm. in which we still are involved in the mayor's lunch and the annual meeting. Our first check was written to the Chamber, Mm -hmm. and the Chamber was one of our first clients, and then we had this other client that I want to say might have been called AmeriHealth. Okay. I'm not sure it's the same AmeriHealth that's there around today. A friend of mine was working there, and they had an event that was sort of like a public relations event where they wanted to touch. It was around the holidays, and you know, they're, I don't even know if the, the rules may be different now, but yeah, yeah. they had a big holiday party, and they could invite a bunch of seniors where they could then gotcha. sort of like... Look yeah. how good we are. Deep in join the relationship it, it. with Yeah, them. there it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> right? And we did that event, yeah. and it was a big event. had a couple thousand people. Nice. And it was at the Marriott in Center City at 12th and Market, which in those days was brand new. Yeah. And we had, you know, think about it. And I know you were around, Matt, too. And Philadelphia had nothing yeah. the size of that monster. That's Marriott. right. Yeah. So they were our first client. They did a couple of, I think they had some maybe mergers and acquisitions. And yeah. the relationship stayed pretty strong until they basically dissolved into someone else we have a relationship with. So yeah, yeah. You know, they are still around, and, yeah. and but in a different form. Yeah, I totally. Yeah. I can totally appreciate yeah. that, especially yeah. over a, a long career, like 25 years we're coming up on, that, that yeah. different customer entities will evolve over time, yeah. just as yours has. Sure. Yeah. Which is actually a really great segue, because I want to talk about not only some of your milestone moments in production, but I want to fast forward to April of 2016 when your team announced a coming together with a notable national production firm known as Rock Nation. And i love, Scott, for you to tell us what is Rock Nation and how does ESM Productions fit into the Rock Nation family? Yeah, so Rock Nation is the world's leading artist management production and branding entity and record label. There's so many things. And founded by Sean Jay-Z Carter. And there's a term that I'm pretty sure, you know, if he didn't coin it, it certainly, he's defining it. Yeah. And Rock Nation is defining it. 360 management, 360 degree engagement with artists and athletes, right? And so that's really the idea behind Rock Nation, which is career counseling throughout the entire process, whether it be recording, tours, merchandise, apparel, endorsements. Yep. Right? Life advice. Yeah. yeah, the whole yeah. the whole thing, right? And yeah. so Rock Nation was founded in 2008. Mm-hmm. So a little more than what, 12, about a decade or 12 years. Yeah. Over 200 artists. Some of them are the biggest artists in the world. Many of them are 
an amazing group of the next biggest artists in the world. Yeah, right? yeah. And the idea of social change and social conscience in the DNA of a company and empowering people is really what Rock Nation's all about. And so for us, we had been producing, I created a network TV show with The Roots that we'd done here for a couple of years on the 4th of July, back in 2012, 13, 14, I think it was, called Largest Free Concert in America. It was a national broadcast. It was great. It was really a lot of fun to do, and it really helped everyone who was involved, including the city, yep. get to a next level. Was that when the roots were kind of just a couple guys from West Philly? So 2009, they were already pretty big in okay. terms of the Fallon show. Remember, he was on at first at 12.30. Okay, and right. And so the roots were with him okay, back then. Back and, then and as well. Is yeah. When that started, and a couple yep. years later is when Fallon came into 11.30. Gotcha. Right? And they really so, took so off. So even yeah. before the Fallon show, the roots have been, I've, yeah. I've known them and have been doing things with them since day one almost with them so we had this big jam that was really great on the parkway yeah it really added to the profile got the radar of other just it got on other people's radar because of the way that it was produced for tv and yep we moved the stage from where it was for 25 years behind a statue we yeah increased the sight line for the free audience all those kinds of things and it got some people's attention and fast forward to you know 2011 beginning of 2012 now we have entities like the original sponsor and the promoter Live Nation was a great partner and then Rock Nation all had an idea about a festival. Gotcha. Right? And so the Live Nation folks came to me knowing that I was putting together the 4th of July and kind of helped rewrite some of the book there of how we're going to do big events on the parkway. Yeah. That maybe there's an opportunity to sit down with the mayor and his mayor daughter of time and yep. try to talk about this wonderful economic opportunity that we yeah. bring to the city. And that happened. Yeah, and I was instrumental in putting together that first first event, and once that happened, and we kind of got that on autopilot. In addition to making sure that you know the city knows they have a they have a person right here that lives here that yeah. that works on this festival every year, we do the broadcast, and that's where we really got the attention of our friends at Rock Nation. And right, they really saw this synergy. Gotcha. And it wasn't that much longer after that, as three or four years later, after sure. them being a tremendous client and the trust gone two ways it was a very simple question yeah about being becoming a partner and yeah quite honestly pretty quick yes yeah nice and solidifying that relationship in a way that just went beyond to your point the kind of client vendor type of relationship but i have to ask scott how hard was that for you having built this company over the past 20 years to be able to say, you know what, this is a good thing that I'm accelerating into a new space. But at the same time, did you ever have this moment of, I don't want to relinquish, I don't want to stop, to use your terminology, I don't want to stop being the driver. And it doesn't sound like you are. You're just driving in a different kind of vehicle with with other navigators. And sometimes other people are taking the wheel while you're doing something else. And then you're swapped back off again. Is that a fair analogy? Yeah, I think when I have this conversation with folks, sometimes folks are surprised at some of my answers. It was a really quick and easy Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. I thought about a couple of things. First of all, you're in business for 20 years or you do anything. Yeah. Right? No No matter what it says on your business card or... Where you are in the org chart, I've yet to find anyone who has 100% autonomous control. Right. Right? You might be the one leading. You might be the one that's written the the plan. And now you have to go and motivate and and implement, right? And so sometimes there's things that get in the middle of that where the plan gets a little bit off. So my point to that, Matt, is for anyone to think that they ever really have 100% control. Right. 
can use that, well, I don't have 100% control argument, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, well, you know what? Our clients are sometimes more in control than we are. Yeah. Right? Or, or the clients we don't really want are sometimes in more control than we are. Yeah, yeah. Or this vendor who's delayed on this is actually in more control right now yeah, than we right, are. Right, right. So, you know, like there's only so much control. But I also knew, right, because we had this relationship. And one of the first things that our partners did was the CFO gave me a, a list of four or five other partners and their cell phone I didn't even tell them you were going to call. Just yeah. call each of these folks and just ask them honestly to tell you how it's going. Yeah, right. Right, and one after another, best thing we ever... And none of these companies were as mature as ESM was being 20 years old. Some of them were yeah. two years old, three years old, yeah, yeah, four yeah. years old, maybe one or two maybe even have been inception partnerships, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but every single one of them was like, it's great, it's yeah. great, you know, we're just doing the same thing we ever did. We just now have this bigger funnel, yeah. bigger pipeline. I kept hearing nice. that, and I knew that was really the case. Yeah, right. And... That is 100% the case, right? Yeah. So what we've gained is a tremendous amount of territory and tremendous amount of really cool opportunity and projects, which I guess is a fancy way to say sales funnel, Yeah. right? Yeah. What we've also gained in addition to that, which has been tremendous, are operational efficiencies. So there's things, shared services and some really great operational efficiencies that have really made a huge difference in just three years, made a huge difference to really position us for just great scalable growth and the Scott run your company mm-hmm. is going to like this is literally the kind of the vibe on your company we're going to help and contribute to it and it's going to get bigger and we want to participate in the growth as your partner nice no brainer right? yeah and it literally from handshake to ink on paper mm-hmm. 40 days or something wow like that. that's great and that's you know that's with the lawyers trying to yeah you know lawyers are very thorough and we need that to be the case but yeah yeah, it was yeah very very peaceful in 2015, ESM Productions served as executive producer of the World Meeting of Families and the Papal Visit by Pope Francis, which took place in Philadelphia. ESM managed all on-site logistics, created site plans, served as a liaison for city services, handled talent acquisition and management services, managed labor activities, and designed the lighting, staging, and scenic presentations on the Ben Franklin Parkway and Independence Mall. With crowds in the millions gathered from around the world and a robust roster of VIP guests, security and safety were as important as the overall production aspects of the event, and Scott and his ESM team served as a unifying linchpin between the U.S. Secret Service, Philadelphia Police Department, Homeland Security, and Vatican Security offices. So as mentioned earlier, Scott and his ESM Productions team partnered with Live Nation and Jay-Z's Rock Nation to create and produce the Made in America Festival. This annual two-day festival premiered in 2012 on Labor Day weekend and has been produced in Philadelphia each year since. 
Made in America, it's become a nationally renowned event and features top performers in all music genres. It welcomes tens of thousands of concert goers to the Ben Franklin Parkway and a live stream audience of over a million people worldwide. And speaking of teams associated with world-class events, let's thank our friends at the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. The PHL CVB is the official tourism promotion agency for the city of Philadelphia globally and serves as the primary sales and marketing agency for the Pennsylvania Convention Center. PHL CVB is an economic engine for the city and all of greater Philadelphia, creating jobs and fueling the economy by bringing meetings, conventions, and tourists to the city and the region. The professionals of the PHL CVB serve as the connectors in greater Philadelphia for meeting planners, conference attendees, tour operators, travelers and tourists, and their own members too. Learn more at discoverphl.com and join me in thanking PHL CVB for their support of our Growing Greater podcast. Now let's get back to our conversation with Scott Merkin of ESM Productions. So Scott, is there one or two or three, if it's possible to funnel it down to that number of moments that really stand out for you as being extra special? Well, there's a couple, right? And I think when you mention all those different personalities and walks of life and where they come from, it's really interesting how a lot of it is the same in terms of what our job is. But yeah, regardless thing, of who the presenter to, is. To a degree, yeah, right? right? To a degree. You know, sure. the, the most important thing is, though, get the wardrobe right. We don't yeah. want to mix that up. But, but um, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you know, producing the events for and with Pope Francis mm-hmm. was a once in a lifetime, a tremendously, you know, humbling and, and amazing experience to be a part of. So I would say that's up there. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily about personality, although amazing personality everyone on this planet can see it right sure and i got an opportunity to be up close and have a quick little exchange yeah and it's obviously this real right as yeah no, it's special yeah sure i mean but what makes me tick on mm. these types of things is i represent the audience right and so the more people that are in the audience the more juiced up i get yeah. right and so that one our audience was in the b billions yeah for the broadcast piece of where we were sending this and how we were sharing it with the world Mm -hmm. so that was really 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 important i had the opportunity to personally invite aretha franklin to be a part of that event right very cool and you know when you're an artist of that caliber or almost any type of artist your manager every day will call you email you yeah however a list of things that people want from you that's pretty much if you think about it that's the yeah. That's the business of the day sometimes. And sure, sure. we're artists and managers and all the folks that have to figure out what, what commitments they're going to make. So we got to be the thing that, hey, Aretha, these guys and gals want to do something for you. Right. Right. And it meant so much to her. Right. We didn't really know at the time that she was already kind of sick. Mm. And I'd worked with her on a few other things. And one of the things that is no secret is that she never flew. So she would always come into a city and kind of be there for a few days right? right and she was rehearsing and things like that yeah sure so we had an opportunity to sit with her a little bit and visit with her and when she was here a couple of days ahead of time and she was so honored mm. and worked so hard to do that performance i bet it meant it really meant the world to her yeah and so that to me has to probably be one of my all-time favorite things yeah that's great um, 
you know, just being able to, you know, share that kind of stuff with the audience, the folks that don't get the VIP treatment. Right. It's really nice to do stuff for folks, right? When we did the, again back to the Pope, you know, the people, these pilgrims, really, they did really come from all over the place, and they did not have a lot of resources, right? Right. So they were right. staying either in campers or. Yep you know, ten in a room or whatever they were doing and, and to be able to provide and present something along those lines. And then of course, you know, our city looked great to the world. Yeah, and, totally. And, and that, that means a lot to me to be able to contribute to something like that. Yeah. As well. Totally. That's very cool. Yeah. I can just imagine the call to an icon like Aretha Franklin and being able to say, Hey, uh, I have a special gig for you. What would you think about performing for the Pope? That had to be pretty cool. It was. You know, the first call is always to the agent. Sure. Right? But the second, the third, the fourth call. Yeah. And many calls. Yeah. Um, were directly with her. Right? Yeah, yeah. And together. And yeah. Making sure that, you know, I mean, she was really working hard with the sheet music and yeah. all those things. And, That's and, cool. Um, she was a character. Yeah. Sweet, very sweet lady. Never saw anything but that. But the amount of, even up until, you know, the last time I'd worked with her, which was then, this was a lady in control of her career and in yeah. control of her show and her performance and that is something I have a tremendous amount of respect. That's great. And in the spirit of our program, you just touched on some of this, growing greater. And that applies to professionally as you're doing with ESM Productions and the Rock Nation family, but it also applies to a personal perspective. So there's a young lady, there's a young man, maybe a sophomore or junior at Northeast High or some other high school or college or vocational school, and they're thinking about what's next for them. What kind of advice do you give to a young person who's thinking about a career path? Maybe it's in the production space, but maybe it's in another part of your experiences in life, customer service, restaurant space. What kind of guidance do you share with a young person who comes to you and says, Scott, Mr. Merkin, how do I navigate life? Well, I would say three things. The one thing I would say is be confident and comfortable because when we were all your age, we had the same questions, right? And sometimes just that little bit of confidence for folks who realize they're not alone in their uncertainty can be 25, 30% of the battle. And then I would say try, and I was very lucky with this, but try to find something that's really connected that you really enjoy. It doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Right, and what might that be? And that may take a person a while to figure out, and that's okay. Sure, you can go, I think, all the way through high school, and maybe even you know, through some portion, depending on you know, I'm not going to recommend if someone goes to med school and then decides they don't want to be a doctor, that's probably not a good thing, but right, but you probably you know, get some portion through certain first couple years of your higher education and maybe still be uncertain. I think that's okay as well, because if you can find the closest thing, or if you're lucky like me and there are others who have found the thing that does not feel like work, then you know there's no alternative but to excel, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so there's all those cliches. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. So that would be that. And then third, which kind of goes back to the first thing, is you know if there's a kid who lives on Everett Street, where I used to live in Oxford Circle, yep. and you know is struggling with just everything that everybody struggles with, there's room, and I still believe this to be the case, even though I did it 25 years ago. Hard work, dependability, and dedication. And I know it sounds cliche, Matt, mm-hmm. but it's so true. It is. Particularly in the production industry. 
showing up and showing up early is 75% of it. Yeah. What we do in production, there's so much of it that is common sense. There's so much that can be learned that it's really about character and and determination and somebody with character, determination, and dependability. There is no limit in how far they can go in the production industry. And that and it sounds like a bold statement, but I stand behind that. From humble beginnings in the Oxford Circle neighborhood of Northeast Philadelphia, Scott Merkin has created an enterprise that impacts people around the world. As Scott and his team at ESM Productions, a rock nation company, continue to produce memorable events in greater Philadelphia and around the world, we will be tuned in. If you like this episode, please be sure to rate and review our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and family and through social media. Be sure to check out other episodes of Growing Greater at Radio.com, wherever you listen to your podcast, or at SelectGreaterPHL.com slash podcast. As we wrap this episode of Growing Greater, let's thank the team at Comcast. With proud roots firmly planted in Philadelphia, Comcast is a global media and technology company with multiple entities that have regional, national, and international reach. Across our greater Philadelphia community, Comcast is a passionate civic partner with a reputation for active engagement with scores of organizations. From Comcast Spectacor and Comcast Business to the NBC10 and Telemundo 62 teams, Comcast's presence is abundant and authentic. In greater Philadelphia, the Comcast family of companies does much more than just bring together the best in media and technology. Driving innovation to create the world's best entertainment and online experiences, they also bring together neighborhoods and businesses and civic leaders to drive positive change across our communities. Learn more at Comcast.com and join me in thanking Comcast for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia and their support of our Growing Greater podcast. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. And it helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses, jobs, and talent to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazan and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. To learn more about establishing, expanding, and growing your business or career in Greater Philadelphia, come visit us at selectgreaterphl.com.